want him to answer our prayers, so we pray and we wait expectantly. Our expectation is of him. Do you know what that's called? Faith. A verse from Matthew came to my mind this week. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. If you're not expecting an answer, you don't bother asking. If you don't expect to find something, you don't bother seeking it. If you're not expecting to find someone home, you don't go to the door and knock. Well, friends, I'm expecting. I'm expecting an answer from God, so I'm asking. I'm expecting to find something he wants me to find, so I am seeking God's direction. I'm expecting the presence of God, so I am knocking. Are you with me? Amen. James 3 tells us not to ask with wrong motives. And then the Lord's Prayer reminds us to pray the will of God. And if we agree with the Word of God, we are praying for things He promises to us in His Word. What is the promise you are holding on to or waiting for? For some, it's healing. For, some, for others, it's provision. For others, it is for salvation, for a spouse, a loved one, a, a child, a, um, your grandkids maybe, and so on. Well then, we ask, we seek, we knock, and we wait expectantly for God to answer. What are you waiting for? I think sometimes we can say, well, Lord, here's my list, A, B, C, D, all the way down. But are we asking and seeking and knocking for what he wants us to pursue? On Wednesday evening, as Joel mentioned, we have Bible studies at 6.30 at Rhonda's place. And it's great. Rhonda se selected um, an awesome video for us this past week. And it was a discussion from uh, Dr. Tony Evans. He used the scripture from Isaiah 58 about genuine fasting, fasting God's way. And I encourage you to, to read it on your own. But one line I wrote down was that fasting is giving up a craving of the physical for a spiritual benefit. I've never actually fasted speeding before, so I can't tell you how that works in my life. I've got tickets to prove it. But um, I have really been craving a steak. Anyways, we'll move on. Um, I encourage you to read that chapter, as I said, and pray about what it is that God wants you to fast. Isaiah 58, is, 58 verse 11 is right in the middle of what we read in that chapter. And it says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. That was exciting to me. That was exciting to me this week. Uh, because part two of the series, What Are You Waiting For?, is uh, that we can expect direction. Expect direction. Direction is defined as the path that something takes or the path that must be taken to reach a specific place. One takes direction from a guide or someone leading them. So when I expect direction from God, I must also submit to his guidance on that path 
where he leads me. And I, seriously, that, the music, it, when Dan picked the music and did the music, he didn't know what I was going to be preaching. And then when Joel said what he said, he didn't know what I was going to be preaching. But yeah, God sometimes leads us out into the ocean like he did Peter, where it's scary. I love how clearly Isaiah 30 verse 21 speaks about God's direction for us. It says, your own ears will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. If we are listening, this is the way God gives us direction. Even when it comes to this fast, ask the Lord how to fast and what to fast for. He will direct you. He will tell you. This is one of the things I'm waiting for. I think we should all be waiting for direction. Direction for our lives, for our focus, for our goals. I'm not just speaking about locational direction either. But since I mentioned that, I'll tell you this. If you know me any very well, you'll know that in a natural, I am directionally challenged. I don't think that's speaking a curse on my life either. It's just admitting the facts. I am very reliant on whoever invented GPS. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. As a kid, I remember my mom sitting in the front seat of the car and telling my dad where to go when she's looking at a map or whatever. She is very good with directions. And so I tried that with my first husband. It didn't go so well, especially when we were in LA. It didn't go well at all. And so I'm so glad for navigational systems in our cars and on our phones. Uh, my husband, Dan, who is older than I am, I had to check with him and confirm that what I read was actually right about when GPS first came out. I read the story about a lady who bought a new car, and it was fully loaded with all the new high-tech stuff back then. And the first time she drove the car in the rain, she thought she was turning a knob that would fix her windshield wipers. Instead, when she turned the knob, a message flashed across the dash saying, drive the car in a 360-degree circle. She said, you know, what does that mean? So when she got home, she read the car manual. I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have told Dan to tell me how to fix it. Um, but she went and read the manual. <laughs> and in it, she realized that she had, when she tried to turn the windshield wipers, she had inadvertently turned off the internal compass, and the car had lost its sense of direction. To fix the problem, the car had to be driven in a full circle, pointed north, and then the compass had to be reset. We are like that. And Dan did confirm that that is actually what had to happen to reset those initial GPSs. But we're like that. When we drive into a rainstorm or something like that in our life, we get into trouble, we get lost, we get confused, and sometimes we turn the wrong knob and get ourselves into more trouble, or we get the wrong advice from the wrong person, and we are in deep problems. We need to reset our internal compass. That's why we need to come to church and have a time of worship together. We need to remember who God is and what his truth proclaims. That is why we need to get refocused onto the word of God. That is why we need to take time and a moment to respond accordingly to his call to fast and pray. That, re that realigns us with his will, his word, if we let him. 
the world has gone so far off track. Canada and other nations that were originally founded on the word of God have lost their way. Their internal compasses are off the mark. No matter um, what, where they go for direction in the world, there are so many places that can lead them astray with their thinking. No wonder people are saying such confusing things and misdirecting other people about morality, about genders, about rights and wrongs. The only way to stay on the right path is to get direction from the Word of God and from churches and pastors who preach the Word of God as it is written and not as it is most comfortably proclaimed. Today was set aside in churches all across the nation and other nations who want to reset their internal compass for their church to proclaim that God has established this world on his truths. He created a man and a woman. That's all. Only those two kinds of people. And he blesses the union that is, that is a marriage of a man and a woman to each other. That's the way he created things to be. And then, when life starts, it starts at conception. That was and still is God's plan. And it won't change. He hasn't changed his mind about when life starts. Yes, we are to love all people. And we're not to condemn anyone for their choices and all of that. But as to what we believe, we need to believe in the Bible and all it says, and we need to hold fast to that truth, and we need to keep our focus on it, because that's where our true north is. Someone sent me a little devotional this week, and I quickly glanced at it, but then I had to go back and reread it, because it confirmed something to me. I was praying for direction for this word, and I, I wasn't getting the breakthrough and the liberty to to write, to study, to say what I felt like the Lord was wanting me to do. And I found this, and I thought, wow, thank you, Lord. The Holy Spirit leads us, even in what we are to say. The little devotional started like this. Joy that comes when you know that every step you take, I have planned before you were born. Before you go on a journey, I have gone before you to make your steps firm and faithful to my ways. I release to you the joy of being guided by my spirit. Wait on me, and I will show you the steps to take. When you turn to the right, you will hear my whisper in your heart saying, Yes, this is the way you are to walk. Supernatural guidance will allow your heart to taste the joy set before you in this new season or this season of new beginnings. A new joy is yours today. As you say, yes, Lord, lead me into greater glory. And then you know how little devotionals are. They give you a little write-up, and then there's a verse. And the verse was the same verse in this devotional as the verse I picked um, for the beginning of this year. You know, you all picked a little verse with a gift on it. And that verse was from Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9. It says, I will stay close to you instructing and guiding you along the pathway for your life. I will advise you along the way and lead you forth with my eyes as your guide. So don't make it difficult. Don't be stubborn when I take you where you've not been before. Don't make me tug you and pull you along. Just 
come with me. Isn't that great? I love that. And you know what? Kind of interesting side note. Dan picked the same verse as I did. Never has that happened to me before. Anyways, David had written this psalm after his sin. Now that he was in a restored relationship with God, he delighted in guidance from God. He wanted the guidance God could give him. This is a great blessing that comes from being forgiven and having a restored relationship. In David's season of guilt and misery, he didn't look upon God for the guidance of his eyes, and therefore he couldn't receive it, and he made more mistakes. When people have sinned, it often causes them to avert their gaze, right? To avert their gaze and hide themselves just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. When fellowship was restored between God and David, the blessing of a close relationship could be enjoyed again. After that restored relationship, David again looked to God for guidance. And you may think, what do you mean, guide with his eye? That doesn't make any sense to me. But how many of us can remember when we had done something or we were going to do something and we happened to sneak a glance at one of our parents? And I got to tell you, mom and dad's eyes, just one look at them could tell me if they approved or disapproved what I had just done or what I was going to do. Okay? And one commentary said that the idea of guiding with his eye can be understood when you think of one who waits upon another so attentively that a mere look at the eye indicates the will. A butler, one of those grand homes, you can imagine this in, uh, you know, one of those old English movies. A butler waiting upon his master at dinner can illustrate this. The master need only look at the salt shaker and the butler understands what he wants and needs. The Bible promises that for those who diligently seek God and focus on him, he will guide us even with his eye. A great example of this is God with the children of Israel. While they were going astray even, he promised in Jeremiah 29, 13 to 14, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity or lead you back. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where you have, where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away. So God will bring us back even when we've wandered away and then we start to look at him again. He will bring us back. He promises us direction when we seek him. Even if we've stopped seeking him and now we start again, he'll pick up right where we left off. I love the verse I found as well about going astray and then returning to him. In Psalm 37, 23 to 24. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I love that. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. If your child falls, you don't pull your hand away. Your hand stays there until your child grips that hand again. God promises direction. So I am expecting direction. Even when we have misstepped, 
we can gently, he can gently bring us back and guide us again. How about you? Have you ever misstepped? Do you need direction in some area, in every area of your life? He is concerned about every detail. Last week in part one of What Are You Waiting For? I talked about expecting to enjoy the cup and the bread of communion with the Lord one day in eternity. So we are to expect eternity. That's the end goal of where we want to be led. And now along the way, we can expect direction. Because the Bible tells us he wants to direct us, but in, also in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, it says that the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised, the way some people understand slowness. But God is being patient with you. He does not want anyone to be lost. That's why his hand is always outstretched when we stumble. So he shows us the way to go. He gives us direction on how to live and where to go. That is God's plan. His promise is to show us the way so none of us would be lost or left behind. Because he doesn't want that. God is so willing to give direction to our lives that he sent us Jesus. And Jesus not only said that he was the truth and the life, what did he say? He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That excites me. So if you need direction in any area of your life, and by the way, we all need direction, and we need direction repeatedly throughout our journey here on earth. And in faith, we can expect direction from God. Now, there's a couple things we need to know. Number one, how do we know God will direct us? That's a good question, isn't it? How do we know God will actually direct us? Well, the Bible tells us he will direct us. That's how, he, that's how we know he will direct us. The Bible tells us. One of the most quoted scriptures in all of, all of the Bible uh, is from Psalm 23. And it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows and leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. David said that his shepherd and ours leads us, guides us to lovely places. Who wouldn't want to go to green meadows and peaceful streams? But even when he leads us to some places that are darkest valleys, and I know some of us here have been through darkest valleys, he is with us, and he promises that he's there with us. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives whether it is the green meadows, the peaceful streams, or the darkest valleys. That is the promise from the Lord to direct our steps, whether it's in small decisions or big decisions that we make in life. Every decision that we make about direction, he will lead us in. Examples of God's leading the people in, in Scripture go right from the beginning to the end of the Bible and continue today. God led Abraham away from his home, and then he made a covenant with him when Abraham followed 
not knowing where he was going to go. And then he led the children of Jacob to Egypt to save them from the famine. And then he led the children of Israel to the promised land out of Egypt. Then in the New Testament, Jesus led his disciples while he taught them and gave them a living example, living direction of how they should live. His life confirmed his instructions. So that tells me that God will confirm his direction in our life and his instructions to us. In 2 Samuel 7, we see David praying, and he asks God to confirm the promise he made to David and his, and his descendants. And you, you know David's life. Um, God made that promise to him. And even after David died and his descendants came, and some of them did not obey God's laws. Some of them even led the children of Israel into sin. But God stayed true to his promise to them. And then in the story of Gideon, Gideon asked God for confirmation, and God gave it because God asked Gideon to do something that was hard for him. And just to be sure, Gideon wanted confirmation, and God confirmed the word. And then he took the steps to follow and obey the direction, and God gave him a victory in battle. He did it God's way. Mark 16, verse 20 says, And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming that they confirming what they said by many miraculous signs there are many ways God confirms his guidance to us we just need to keep our eyes and ears open to them to him and wait on him and ask him it doesn't hurt for you to ask him to confirm his word he will do it Number two, how do we follow his directions? Okay, you know, the Bible says God will give us directions. How do we follow it? That's a big subject. I found so much in the word of God about this, and you can look it up yourself too. But let's start with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It shows us a couple of things in just that one portion. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Don't fall into a trap of just doing or going to what feels good or what feels right to you. Ask. Talk to him, or in other words, acknowledge him. Then trust him to direct you. Psalm 119 is another great chapter in the Bible, telling us how to follow God's instructions. But it happens to be the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's so full of stuff. Wow, I, I read the whole thing more than once this week and thought, how am I going to share this? I'm not going to read it all. Go home and read it yourself. Um, but I do want to have a selection of verses, and there's key words that you'll notice as I read. Verse 1 says, joyful are people of integrity who follow the instruction of the uh, of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I love those two verses that tell us that we can tell our plans to God. 
And then we need to be open to him to teach us and to show us a better way. I think that's great. Be open to relinquish our plans so that we can follow his ways. And then let's move on. 34, give me understanding and I will obey your instructions and I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands for that is where my happiness is found. I used to wander off until you disciplined me but now I closely follow your word. Sometimes we're like those sheep in Psalm 23, and our shepherd, the Lord, needs to use his rod and his staff to help guide us. And that can sometimes feel a little bit like discipline, but it helps us realign our focus on his truth and on his path. And then it goes on in verse 101. I have refused to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. See, the rest of the chapter is like that too. I love the whole chapter, but it was too long. And I hope you noticed those highlights. By faith, we follow, we obey, we search, we meditate, we practice his ways. We refuse to walk on evil paths, and we allow the Bible, his word, to be our guide and to be a light to our path. I loved studying about direction this week. I really did because I am so desperately seeking his direction and expecting him to answer and give me direction. So please bear with me. I've got just a couple more scriptures. <laughs> Isaiah 48, verse 17 says, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. To follow his direction, you need to let him teach you and lead you. Then you need to surrender yourself to him. And you know what? There's a good reason to do that. And it comes to us from Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I believe I can say this for our church. For myself, I can say it. We want to be sons and daughters. We want His direction. And we want to follow. So we need to expect direction my friends, in everywhere, every aspect of your life. Ask, seek, knock, until he gives you the directions that will take you into the perfect plans he has for you. And then when he directs you, trust him. And don't make it more difficult for yourself. Don't be stubborn when he takes you to places you haven't gone before. Or don't make him tug you along and pull you along. Just follow in every detail of your life, every detail. Nothing is not important to him. Every detail is important to him. Trust him. Our relationships, our um, occupations, our investments, our education, all of it, nothing is unimportant to him. So trust him. He's going to give you direction in all areas of your life. So what are you waiting for? 
Now is the time to tell God your plans and to expect his direction for your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Those were more than one of the songs this morning said, you never fail. You have never failed us. And know that you have taken us through difficult times. And Lord, we're going to walk. Though the waves come around us, though we seem like we're getting a little bit disoriented and our internal GPS is not working right, Lord, help us realign with your word and with your truth. And help us to refocus and meditate on what it is that you're saying. Confirm your word to us, oh God, because you do that. And I thank you that you're the same God today than you were yesterday. You're the same God that led the children of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years. You're the same God that led Peter out onto the water. And then you led him to great things for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you've led them and you're going to lead us. And that we need not be discouraged because of what we see around us. These are all temporary things. But we want to refocus on you. And we want to hear what you have to say, Lord, about our prayer life, about our fasting, about our direction, about what we say or not say. God, give us direction. Help us to quiet ourselves before you, which is hard for many of us, but help us to quiet ourselves before you and to let you speak and to let you lead. God, we love you. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in our own lives, in our church, in our community, and in our country and our world. Be glorified again. Be glorified. Lead us and guide us because we are expecting direction. Thank you for answering. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.